there on the One Church News, and it's going to be entitled New Life. And we um, are approaching Easter. You may have noticed in the shops that there are a number of references to Easter, um, and uh, it's a kind of significant event. I think for a lot of people in our society, they don't really understand very much about what it's about uh, they know it's got something to do with chocolate and they know it's got something to do with bunnies and I don't know why bunnies ever come into it but that seems to be it. It's about spring, it's about lambs leaping over logs, it's about kind of new things budding and new life. Of course, for those of us who are Christians, it's uh, slightly even more significant than any of that because it's to do with the fact that we believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died uh, for us on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God because we're not born right with God. We need to be made right with God. And through the work of the cross, that happens to us. And then we realise that Jesus, having died our death, really, on our behalf, then three days later rose from the grave. And we believe that he's a living God, which is why in the worship today we were hearing references to encountering him. He's a living God who can touch us and breathe and speak and heal and express his love towards us because he's a living God. So Jesus is risen from the dead. He's alive. He's here with us today. And so therefore he is able to bring new life into people's lives and so over these next few weeks leading up to Easter and then even the week after, I think at least once after that, when we were going to be thinking about the Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about different aspects of new life. And I think there are two reasons as to why or two aims over these next few weeks for us personally as we look at this together. The first is we really want to make an invitation in all of our meetings across our sites, we want to keep giving an invitation for people to experience new life in Jesus and to explain what that means and how that is possible. So even before I get going, to ask everybody in the room, whoever you are, do you have new life? Do you know life in Jesus, and you may be someone here today that would honestly say, "I, I don't, I don't think so," or you may be something. Well, I think, but I'm not sure. So we want to kind of answer all those questions. The second um, reason that we're doing this is for those of you here today who can honestly say, "Yes, I know that I have new life in Jesus, and I have no doubt about that." That you will now begin to fully experience all that that new life has for you. In other words, some of us as Christians, we get some of new life, we get the beginning part, but then we don't come into the inheritance or all the results of that new life. Jesus is alive and therefore he has so much to give to us. Don't stop at the doorway, go through the door 
and then enter into all the fruit, if you like, of your salvation. Um, we might ask sometimes the, the question, what is uh, a Christian? And some of us would have different answers to that, that question, but I'm sure most of us here today will, would agree, well, it's certainly not someone who just goes to church. It's not someone who just does good deeds. You may do good, good deeds as a result of being a Christian, but that's what, not what makes you to be a Christian. It doesn't define you. And a Christian isn't someone who just kind of goes through the motions and occasionally thinks about God. But the Christian is someone who is a follower of Jesus. A Christian is somebody who's living seven days a week in the fullness, actually, of this new life that we have inherited. Today, at the beginning of this series, what we're going to look at is how on earth did you even get on the first rung of the ladder? How on earth, if you're someone here this morning can say, I've got new life in Jesus, how did that begin? And for those of you this morning who can honestly say, but I don't know Jesus, I'm, I'm open, I'm interested, I'm kind of looking into it. By the end of this little chat this morning, I would love you to come to a place where you can understand if I want to be a Christian, this is now I know what I need to do. And so it's important that we understand that the Bible actually answers the question, how did this ever happen? How did it come about that I became a Christian? The Bible says this, that if you want to become a Christian, you have to be born again. That's how new life works. You've got life because you're breathing. As I'm looking out across this congregation, most of you look like you are breathing, which means that you are alive. Some of you are trying really hard to not look like you are, but you really are. And so you're breathing, it's life. And so we, we have physical life. What Scripture's talking about, what the Bible's talking about is spiritually, spiritual life. So everyone's walking around this planet with life, but to have real life, you need to be born Again, and so to me to say, are you a Christian? The answer is you should be able to say, I absolutely have no doubt that I am. Why? Because I have been born again. There's no hesitation. It's something that you're very clear. You know you are or you know that you are not. It's a strange question, isn't it? Because people say to us sometimes, are you a born again Christian? as if there's some other kind of Christian. Isn't that weird? I, I, I've had people say, are you one of those born-again Christians? It's kind of like, well, yeah, <laughs> because that's what a Christian is. I don't know what a non-born-again Christian looks like. So there's only, it's clarity. There's only one answer to that question. So if you have Bibles with you, uh, the words may come up behind me, but I would like us to look at this well-known passage in John chapter 3 and verse 1 where a religious teacher, intrigued by Jesus, kind of like really, really interested in him. Many people, even in our secular Western society, are intrigued with Jesus. They're, they're really interested in him. They want to know more about him. And Nicodemus was one of those, and he was a bit nervous, so he came to Jesus in secret. And he has this conversation. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, okay, so no one's looking, 
and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one else can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And some of us as Christians always look at that passage and think, Nicodemus, how thick could you be? Of course he's not talking about a person going back into his mother's womb to be born all over again. But listen, there's no concept in his mind of anything other than that. And that's, the, that's what you would have answered to Jesus if he'd spoken to Because Jesus is about to say something radically different. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound and you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the phrase born again can be a cheapened phrase these days. You hear people use the phrase born again quite often. I see adverts, you know, the, 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 the Vauxhall Polo latest thing is a born again car. You, you hear of guys who are golfers, you often hear of their born again golf swing. It's just like strange. The Christians were a band that I used to follow. They're not Christians. It was just their surname. And they sang this song about their girlfriend, that when you are near, I feel like I'm born again. So it's kind of like, it's a kind of airy-fairy kind of concept about this phrase of, it just kind of cheapens it. It just kind of means, well, you know, just a new start. Sometimes in Christian circles, we can even say to people, you know, if you want to know Jesus, um, you know, just make a decision or put your hand up. It's kind of like a cheapened version of what this is. Let's get down to the reality. Jesus is talking about something that you can't do. He's talking about something that you can't just magic up. He is talking about a miracle, And it's a miracle that is initiated by God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So if you're in this room today and you can identify yourself as a Christian, as someone who is born again, then you need to know that you didn't do that, but that God did that and that God initiated it and God made it come to pass. Have you noticed in this phrase the word spirit? To be born again is, to, is a work of the Spirit. It's to be born of the Spirit. I actually prefer to use uh, that phrase, if you're a Christian, you've been born of the Spirit, because it takes away from the cheapened version and it, it really nails it. Because if I'm born again, I'm born of the Spirit, it's something that God has done in me through his love and through his mercy. And it's a complete and utter undeserved miracle that has happened in my life if you just turn over the page go to John chapter 1 I just love this verse 9 of John chapter 1 the true light Jesus which gives light to everyone was coming into the world 
He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people, that's the Jewish nation. They did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed, notice that, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, that's our parents, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you're a child of God this morning, then a miracle has happened in your life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says this, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. To become a Christian, to be born again, is something that God does because you're born of the Spirit. It's not just your intellect or something you've decided to do. And it's supernatural. And this verse in 1 Peter says it's like a seed of eternity has been planted in you. Something other than this earth makes you born again. Something of eternity has come into your life. The Bible says we're now tasting of the age that's yet to come. And when you know that is in you, you do not doubt that if you die today, you will go immediately to be with your heavenly father. You don't doubt it because the seed is in you. Everything else is temporal and passing away, but it's something in you that is not of this earth because you've been born again. And I want to just emphasise this again. It's something that God does. And there's not a person in this room today that has to be outside of this because it's not how good you are. It's not that you deserve it. It's not there's someone who's born again sitting next to you and they were always better than you. Far from it. If they're born again, it's because God has initiated a miracle in their lives. And therefore he can do it for you as well. Nobody is beyond God's ability to call someone to be truly born again. Just drive this home with Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's not your works, it's not your ability, it's not what you have done. In fact, the description of you before you were born again is dead. And dead people don't do a lot. Have you noticed that? You know, there's no degrees of deadness. You're either dead or you're, that's it. You're just dead. You don't breathe, nothing. So in order to be made alive, someone else has got to come and breathe life into you. So I hope this is okay. I'm just, I know this is basic stuff for a lot of you, but this is so important that not one person leaves this room today with any sense of unclarity about what this means, that we have been born again, that we were dead and now God has worked this amazing miracle in our lives. Most of us as Christians want to see lots more miracles than we do. In the Western world, we're saying, Lord, where are the miracles? Where are the healings? Where, where, where's that, those signs and wonders? You must not forget that the greatest miracle that you could ever see has already happened to you. Because if he can breathe life into you and make you alive then all those other miracles you're looking at, they're secondary. This is not a minor miracle. This is the greatest miracle of all. 
And as a Christian today, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm communicating, if you're a Christian here today, this is resonating with you. you. You've got to keep telling yourself, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in my life. Well, that's a lot about what God does, but what about you and me? What do, what do we do? Well, not a lot, really, in order to get born again. But I would say this, we come to this God as we are. This is what we do if we want to become Christians. We first of all acknowledge we're not good enough to receive. And you don't have to be good enough to receive the love and mercy of God. It's not about how good we are. In fact, most of us come messed up. And to some degree, all of us are messed up. And all of us need God's wonderful grace and mercy and salvation. You don't, come, you don't sort out your life first and then hope God will then clean you up. You come to him with your mess and he accepts you as you are and he will then clear up your mess as time goes by as a consequence. You become born again recognising it's what God does but what you do is you come as you are and then you believe and some of us, that's really quite difficult. Some of you think, well, that's easy. But for some of us, it's actually not straightforward. Uh, we need to come a place where we believe. So I was raised in a Christian home. And, and my mum and dad and my sisters believed and I didn't. I mean, it's like strange. I couldn't get in on their belief. I had to come to a place where I believed. I mean, I knew everything <laughs> with my head knowledge, but I hadn't yet taken that step of believing, therefore I was not born again. In order to be born again, we need to believe in Jesus. We need to believe in who he is. We need to believe in what he has done. We need to particularly look at the cross where his blood was shed and for the first time think, do you know what? I believe that he died for me and I believe that if I put my trust on his perfect sacrifice, his blood that shed for me and I ask for forgiveness for all the sins that I've committed, then I will be completely forgiven because I am believing. That's what I do. I believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. I'm not putting my trust or my faith in anyone else apart from him. Here's something else we can do to help us. Admit it that you're a sinner. Admit it. And just saying that phrase, there's a lot of people in UK, that is immediately offensive. You know, admit you're a sinner. Who do you think you are to call me a sinner? I've never murdered anybody. I haven't, you know, sin, the Bible says, is anything that falls short of perfection. All have fallen short of the glory of God, which is perfect. So unless you're in this room today, <clears throat> and you might be the only one that's utterly perfect, never had an imperfect thought in your life ever. But if the moment you know that's actually not true, <laughs> and I know that I am a sinner and I've been imperfect, then immediately you come to an understanding that I am a sinner <clears throat> and I've defined sin and then I want to repent. Is there any chance that if I believe in Jesus and then repent of the sin that I admit that I have, <coughs> that he will then forgive me? Is there any chance that at that moment what he said to Nicodemus could happen to me? 
We live in a cancel culture. Have you noticed that? You just try cancelling sin. You, I mean, it's really, really hard on your own. I refuse sin. I cancel it. And I'm not even a Christian, so I can't even say in the name of Jesus. I just try hard to cancel sin. Lots of people in our world today are trying really hard because they know that deep down inside something's not right. But they're trying all, spending loads of money to stop what's not right being put right. You can't cancel sin. There's only one person that can cancel sin, and that's Jesus. When he died on the cross, and he not only cancels your sin, listen to this, he eradicates it. For as far as from the east is to the west, your sin has been removed, is what the Bible says. It's amazing that he not only forgives, but makes you completely clean from all the sin that you have committed. And at that moment... You are thrown on the mercy of God. Because it's at that moment you ask, will he now hear my cry? Will he now cover my sin? Will he now forgive me for all the things that I have done? Because I know I don't deserve it. There's one more thing you need to do to get born again, and that is take a step of faith. The Bible says we are justified by faith. So it's believing, it's repenting, it's being thrown on the mercy of God and it's an act of faith. And the moment we do that, then we become born again. So my conversion as raised in a Christian home is that I had a lot of head knowledge about Jesus. And I remember at the age of 17 when finally I'd come to the end of myself and all my arguments and my frustrations and my rebellion and bowed the knee and humbled myself and I became a Christian. It became, it was, I became born again. It was a matter of, actually for me, it was important to say it out loud. And I sit in the back of a car on February the 20-something rather and, and it was late on a Sunday evening and I, I knew I didn't have to do this. I wanted to say it. So I said, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died for my sin and I believe if I put my faith in you right now. And I remember saying out loud, I believe that you are, you are risen from the dead. I was making these faith statements for the first time. I spent all my life trying not to believe these things. And I found myself saying, I really do. I believe these things. And I think it's so important that from our hearts, we are able to say these things. And at that moment, I hope this has helped some of us today, you then get born again. You have thrown on the mercy of God and he has heard you and he puts this seed in you and you are then born again. Can I ask the question today? Have you been born again? Have you new life in Jesus? Have you taken that step so that you know that you have done this. And you know, how do you know when you've done this process that you are born again? How do you know that? Well, I think you know it inwardly and outwardly. I just believe that when you take that step, there's an inner assurance, what the Bible calls it, that something amazing has happened to you. It's real. It's more than a feeling. I mean, I think when you get born again, you have lots of new fresh feelings which is wonderful not to be despised 
but you, 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 there's just something that you know has happened, an inner peace, an inner joy, a flooding of the love of God. So inwardly, it's hard to describe it because it's subjective, but you just know that something's shifted. <laughs> Something new has happened to me. Something that wasn't there before has come within me, and I know that I'm born again and I'm a child of God. But there's also outward confirmation. It's kind of like what's happened on the inside becomes manifest on the outside. And this helps you and confirms to you that you are a child of God. And some of you are sitting here thinking today, when I was born again, become a Christian, not a lot changed on the outside. <laughs> it may have taken some time, we know that. But slowly but surely, there are fruits that come from repentance. And one or two of your friends are going to start to notice. There's something different about you I mean for me it was my language some of you identify with that <sighs> weirdly my language changed and I remember thinking I don't swear anymore and I don't do that and I don't what what's going on I know I haven't got the ability to do those things for some of us it's overcoming habits that we couldn't overcome before for some of us it's a freedom that we didn't have before for some of us it's the compelling sense I've got to tell other people about Jesus even though it's embarrassing these are all outward signs that something has happened within you compassion is another thing you didn't really feel very compassionate before but now suddenly the love of God's in your heart so you start to feel his compassion for people and situations your conscience is changed. I love meeting new Christians who say to me things like, I don't know what it is, but I can't hang out with those people anymore and I don't really believe that I can go to that anymore and that's not really good for me, is it? And no one's told you any of those things. It's something inside you. Something in your conscience is making you do these things because you've been born again. You start making changes that no one's told you to make. There's a certainty within you. There's a certainty that starts to be manifest from beyond you. And then we enter into our inheritance. I haven't got time to look at this, but if you ever read like a passage like Ephesians 4, uh, sorry, Ephesians 1, 3 to 4, you see this rollout of results of being born again. And it's not that some people get these fruits and other people don't. It's that if you're born again, this is for all of you. So Ephesians 1 is just an example. There are many more passages. For example, you become a son or a daughter of God. You are adopted into his family. You are blessed with spiritual blessings in every whatever. And it's like this is richness of inheritance. There is a confirmation that you truly are born again. So when you're born again, you know it internally. And it starts to manifest externally as well. So do you know that you have been born again? Is there fruit confirming that has happened? For example, if everything I've just listed off, you're sitting there today thinking, absolutely no, none of that is true of me. Then it makes, it's, it's, it's a good thing to accept because it may just be that you're just going to church. You're just raised in a Christian family you haven't actually been born again. Because the only way you can have the fruits of being born again is to be truly born again. And I think there may be people even here today that thought you were, but you're not quite sure. 
And maybe today is the moment when you come to that place where you really, really do make that decision. A lot of us here today were kind of raised in church. I think being raised in church is tricky on this subject. I think it's more complicated than people actually understand. Because I think when you're raised in church, raised in a Christian family, raised in a Christian environment, you know stuff. And the danger is the knowing of stuff in your head can convince you that you really are a Christian and you're not. Because you've never had what I've just been talking about for the last 20 minutes. It's never actually happened to you. And you can tick the right boxes. You know, I, I mean, I was definitely not a Christian, but I could still tick those boxes if the youth pastor had asked me a question. I knew more than the Christians. Because of my, my brain and being raised in a Christian environment, And the problem with knowing the right answers and ticking the right boxes is it's only knowledge and you may not be born again. You may not yet be a Christian. Now, by the age of 10 or 11, I was convinced that I was not a Christian. And so I lived as if I was not a Christian. I knew that I wasn't and I was proud of it. And I was proud of being raised in a Christian family and not give in to Christianity that was my goal if you met me at school I was doing pretty well I mean it was just that was the goal and I knew it and this is a weird thing I'm about to say but um, I actually look back and think I had a bit of an advantage when it came to this born again stuff because I knew I wasn't do you understand I wasn't vaguely raised in a Christian home and knew how to look like a Christian on Sundays I'd come to the age of 10 or 11 where I think, right, I'm not. And, and there's clarity <laughs> that comes when you're not a Christian. And I think when Liz and I were raising our four kids, we were very, very passionate about getting them to a place as early as possible where they understood that they were not Christians just because they lived in our home and that we were. You lead, those, you lead your kids to a place of understanding of their own personal need. This is why I said it was tricky earlier. If we don't do that, we never quite know. So to bring to that place of personal need where they know that they need to be born again in their own right is an important place to be if you're raised in church because you need your own personal moment. You need your own personal crisis, if you like, You need your own moment where it's just you and God. It's what you believe and not what your mum and dad believes. It's what you believe and not just your friends. In other words, you need your personal act of faith where you say, I believe, I repent, I don't deserve this just because I was raised in a Christian family and I need this for me. So I eventually, from the age of 10 to 17, came to the place where all those things were true and I prayed that prayer and I was born again. And a miracle happened because believe me or not, I really did not deserve to become a child of God. Some of you were born again at a young age. This is also a little bit tricky because it's kind of like I was five or six or seven when I believed and gave my heart to Jesus. And it's kind of like at that moment that that you've got to understand 
that that was as if that was genuine then that was the moment you were born again and that's a greater as great a miracle as anybody else and I often say to to kids raised in Christian homes who got became Christian when they were young you do not have a boring testimony you know because they're t- you know I want to be a drug addict no you don't need to be a drug addict to have amazing testimony that was a miracle. When the drug addict comes to Jesus and is miraculously saved and delivered, that's a miracle. But you were, if anyone's born again, it's a miracle. Yes. And I encourage those of you that, some of you even, it was kind of, they don't even know if there was a moment. You can't even really remember. And it was a gradual process. And, and you kind of came to Jesus incrementally over a number of things that happened. And uh, but you have to understand, I think water baptism actually is a real defining moment for kids in church. No one's going to force you to be baptised. But it's important to understand that actually at that moment of giving your life to Jesus, you were born again. Do you want to quickly tell? If you want. <laughs> oh yeah, so I was raised in a lovely Christian family. And Sundays we'd go to church and I just remember doing a lot of colouring. And... <laughs> But on Sunday afternoons, we got sent off to what was called a Christian Scripture Union class, which was run by Scripture Union. And maybe our parents wanted to get rid of us in the afternoon. Um, but I just remember I was seven and this woman preached the gospel from the story of the parable of the lost sheep. And I... You know, as much as I can, I remember very clearly realising that I was outside the fold. You know, the 99 sheep were all having a great time and I was caught. I was out there. And even as a seven-year-old, I was convicted of my sin and my need myself for a saviour. And I just remember being very excited that I could become a Christian. And even that night... Um, when I was at home, my mum, who is, was an amazing person, I told her. And so she sat me on the bed, asked me questions, <laughs> which I think I answered well. <laughs> and we knelt down by the bed and we prayed. And I asked Jesus into my life and became a Christian very clearly. And even as a young child, and knew that I had eternal life. And then proceeded to tell my older sister that she wasn't, which is why. <laughs> but um, funnily enough, she became a Christian um, in her 20s. But over the years, there were years when I was unfaithful. But the incredible thing is I always knew deep in my heart that God was faithful. So it's just wonderful. Thanks. So the reality of what happens, even at a young age, is not to be dismissed, it's powerful and it's real. And even if it was a gradual thing you went through, you need to come to that place where you understand, yeah, I know that I am born again. And actually, even as a child, when you become a Christian, you don't understand everything, you accumulate a greater understanding as the years actually go by. Oh, now I am. Oh, no. right, I didn't when I was seven, but now I really do. And do you know what? That's true of you, all of us. That's true if you get saved in your 20s or 30s. You, you actually don't know everything at that moment and you accumulate more understanding and knowledge 
of what being born again really is. I don't think when I was born again that moment, I had full knowledge of all the, um, what was going on in my life. I knew I was saved. I knew my sins had been forgiven. I didn't know a lot more. And you start a journey which is accumulating what God has done in your life by faith. So a, a, couple of, um, a couple of verses as an example. We're just going to close. Colossians 3 verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I mean, that is a massive statement about the person who's born again. But I didn't know that when I was born again. Galatians 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. Did I know that when I was born again? I don't think so. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There are so many scriptures that, that, that take you on a journey to, of greater revelation. So when you were born again, masses of things happened to you that you didn't even know about. But as the years go by, I mean, I love reading Romans because I still don't get it all. And then I read Romans and I think, oh, that's, yeah, that's happened to me. Yes, that's my experience too. Because all these things that Jesus did for me, I am a new creation. I have a new identity in Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly seeing things about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So basic that I never really saw before. And I think our lives should be one of constant revelation of what's happened to us in Christ Jesus. And I am bringing things to a close, but here's the big deal for some of us who are born again, who do have new life in Jesus. There is a massive danger that you get over-familiar with what has happened to you and that you get over-familiar with the truth of what happened there and has continued to happen in your life ever since. And surely there should be still moments when you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40, 70, whatever years, that you still have moments of being overwhelmed by the mercy and the grace of God. That you still have moments when you're filled with joy as you remember and as you realize. And just to say sometimes, you know, to yourself, I'm saved. I've been rescued, I've been redeemed, I've been delivered, I've been given abundant life. And the reason this is so important that you keep that, that world alive is the Christian life can become duty rather than delight. And we do things out of, well, I do it because I'm a Christian. No, you do it because you're overwhelmed again and again by the love and the mercy and the grace of God. My prayer today is those of you that are born again, you never become over familiar with this wonderful miracle that's happened in your life and that you therefore enter into everything. You have hope, you have purpose. God has a plan for your life. There is a future. There's an adventure of walking with God. You're even called to do the works of Jesus. And are we sometimes so busy that we never get time to stop and just meditate upon all because the motivation is always the mercy of God for everything we are and whatever we do there may be people here today that were not raised in a Christian family and you know you've you've got no Christian background whatsoever some are searching some are pursuing wanting to know more and more about God I've got a friend who did Alpha three times I mean how stupid can you no but did three times you can 
And why did he do it three times? Because he just didn't get it and he did it again and he did it again in this alpha course, understanding Jesus. Because actually, however much knowledge you get on alpha, there still needs to come a moment. It's not an intellectual exercise where I will now be convinced in my head that this is true. Even for those who do have gone that journey, there's that moment where you have to take a step of faith and say, I really do believe. And the weirdest thing of all is this. I've got friends who've never heard of an Alpha course and they never heard about Jesus and they've got no background whatsoever. And then they hear this message for the first time. Never heard it before. And at that moment, they believe. And they get born again. I have a friend who was kind of like abandoned as a 17, 18-year-old, wandered the streets. <laughs> and, then, and he's searching, he wanted that new life, but he didn't know where to find Never heard of Jesus, didn't know anything about church at all. And then one day, met a couple of Christians who he says did not look very happy, who were giving tracts outside a railway station. They just, he, all he remembers is they just looked so miserable, but they were giving tracts, and he just went up to them. And he says, what, what are you giving out? They told him. He says, well, what do you believe? And they told him. And they led him to Jesus there in front of the train station. And he has been a remarkable church leader for decades since that one moment in front of the train station. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's like you just never know how this miracle of being born again can happen to you, whoever you are and wherever you're from. It's tough being a Christian today. I think it's getting tougher and tougher. And so these truths are what we stand on. It's tough being a Christian because, you know, to become a Christian, you've got a counter cost. Actually, becoming Christian, being born again, is a kind of death. You're really saying, I, I die to myself. You're really saying, I come to the end of myself. People need to come to the end of themselves before they can embrace the love and mercy of God. And it is a kind of death. You're no longer going to live for yourself. You're going to live for the one who gave everything for you so that you can have new life in him. Should we just close our eyes for a moment? I want to finish today by giving people an opportunity to respond in prayer. And there may be people here today, I have no idea, who in your heart right now as we're praying, you know that you've not had that experience of being born again, being born of the Spirit, and yet inside you, you want new life. You want to be born again. You may have been raised in a Christian family. You maybe go to church every week. We can never, ever assume, and I just don't want you to carry on missing out on this wonderful, wonderful moment of being born again. And so, Father, today we just pray for any in this room who can honestly say, I do not believe I've ever taken that step. I've never been born again. I just want to pray for you today that you'll have the courage to take that step and that you'll say in your heart, I, I today choose Jesus, that I do believe in you and I, I put my trust in you, that you'll come and work a miracle in my heart give me a new start and give me new life which I cannot get of myself but only through you and if you know that you're that person here today I would love you 
as we close this meeting moment to talk to someone. It could be a relative, it could be a friend, someone you know, and say, that's me. Would you pray with me that I might be born again and start this new journey? And also pray for those of us who have new life, who really do know Jesus has come into our lives and we've been born again, that you will never, ever lose the wonder. You'll never, ever become a duty, a duty Christian, but you'll do everything out of delights and that you will once again, in fact, often remember that moment that you did not deserve when you were born again and you received new life. And that you don't just stay there, but you press in to know every, every aspect of the entirety of all that that means. Holy Spirit, take your word, plant it as a seed in our hearts, do a great work. Jesus.